Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 74th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. Today's special guest is Brian McCauley. But before we get to him, let me introduce our usual panel. I'm Tom Iovino of Tom'sWorkbench.com. I'll be your host for this program. And joining me from the lovely land of Long Island, New York, is our good friend Diami Plotky. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Diami, welcome hey. I'm doing lovely. Thank you very much for asking. How are things in lovely Long Island? Uh, they're doing just fine. I've I've heard you're uh, you got some tornadoes in well closer to your neck of the woods than mine, don't you? Yeah, not not so much in the peninsula, but uh, you know we're we're actually watching the development of a potential tropical system. Ooh. This early in May is kind of kind of bizarre, but you know, hey, uh, these things happen. So uh, it's just a reminder that the season's almost upon us. So it's a good time to get that. I'm sure we'll talk more about this later, but uh, you know, good time to get that shop inventory done and make sure your insurance policy is all up to date. Just saying, (laughs) just saying, just, I'm just going to leave it out there for that. Okay. Okay. So Diami, we we have our friend Brian as well. Hey, Brian. Hi, how are you? Welcome. Lovely. Thank you, Brian. So we're going to go around and figure out what's in everybody's shop. So, Brian, tell us what, what's currently what's in your shop. Well, currently, uh, I'm actually working on something small for once. Uh, not a table? It's not a table. I'm, I'm between tables. I'm working on something for me, actually. It's, um, no, never, ever happens, but I'm doing it. Uh, it's a charging dock. My children and myself and my wife can't seem to keep our phones out of our faces so i'm making a place for them to live as opposed to in our pockets and Ah. it's a it's a dock it'll hold all four phones it'll plug into the wall and hopefully that'll alleviate some of the issues we're having it'll be a kind of you walk in you dock your phone you walk away from it when you're in the house kind of thing yeah more so for the kids but you know my my wife and i will will take advantage of it as well how how old are your kids yeah, it's it, this is embarrassing that because they're so young and they have phones. They're they're ten and eight. That's not it's not embarrassing. No, I that's, have, not, that's not too bad. I thought yeah, you were gonna say like five and three or something like yeah. that. No, we we got one for the ten year old because he was starting to walk around and go to friends' houses and stuff. And the community that we live in is a, a, a walking area, so we we wanted to be able to keep tabs on him, and it was more advantageous to get two lines than one. So. The eight-year-old got one too. Yeah, I, we're my wife and I are debating whether or not we get our ten-year-old twins' phones, and um, if they get whatever age they get them at, the six-year-old will be at least three years younger than them when he gets his. I'm sure because that's yeah. just the way it's going to work. Yeah, just it's just the way. Yeah, it's got to be even, right? Somehow it's yeah. got to all be equal. I think you're already there, right, Tom? Your boys uh, have to. Uh, yeah, actually, my youngest does not have his own phone. We have a uh, we have a spare line that we've used as a house phone. Um, but when he gets, you know, he gets old enough, he'll he'll convert that house line to his line, and then that'll be his. But but this is nice for phone talk. I'm digging it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of saw a picture, Brian. What are you doing for this these charging docks? It looks like a it looks like a block of wood with a recess in it. I wasn't quite sure how the phones fit into it. Yeah. Well, the the recess that you saw is actually the inside of it, where all the cables are going to go. So it's you're right. It's okay. a chunk of wood. Um, I, I cut a, the bottom off of it, sort of like you would a bandsaw box, and I routed out a recess underneath it for all the cables, because there's going to be four cables in there. And then uh, I'm using a, a four-port USB hub to plug them all into, 
okay. and then I'll only have one cable coming out the back, the cable for the USB hub that'll plug into the wall. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, so it'll be a nice little cable management thing as well. And then the, the front of it's basically a sort of a two-tiered type of a thing. There'll be two phones side-by-side side on the lower tier and then two phones side-by-side side on the upper tier. Okay. Yeah. So just a, a simple little staged self that conceals all the all the charging equipment so it's it's just cleaner and neater. Yes, exactly. You gotta, you gotta love it. All right. So, so Diami, what's going on in your shop these days? I just built a sander cart. Get out. Yeah, I've I've let me I'll count them right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Because I can't count without without I can't count in my head. I I I have nine empty sustainers sitting in the middle of my shop floor. They're all going to go up in the attic, and I'm winning all that shelf space. Because I've had in my head for quite a while that I'm going to build some sort of a cabinet for all my sanders. Okay. Um, because the. I have no. You've been in my shop, Tom. It's a one-car garage. I have nowhere to put. Yeah, there's, there's I have no nowhere to put toolboxes to open them up. So, it's always a pain in the butt to switch sanders because I have to pull out the box, lay it on something, open it up, take the sander out, and go to town. So I wanted to be able to. I was thinking, open a cabinet door and have them all hanging there and just yank one out. But as I went through how big all the sanders are and the, the space they take up, and I looked at the current cabinets I have and, you know, have to match their depth and fit into the, into the room properly. Uh, a, a cabinet that would hold all the sanders would be rather inefficient in terms of its sizing. So rather than go with a cabinet, I went against my own preference and made a cart. I'm not, I'm one for wall hanging cabinets rather than carts or boxes, but sure. I made, I made a cart. So the bottom is just a simple carcass made out of MDF. Um, and it has three drawers in it and the drawers hold most, but not quite all of my sandpaper. It just doesn't fit quite right. And then on top of that, I've got what are, what are four vertical pieces of half-inch plywood. And there's two on the outside, and then the two on the inside are, are elevated, so they're higher. So it's tiered, almost in a pyramid shape. And all the plywood has V-notches cut into it. And all the different sanders, the head of the sander gets caught in that V-notch, and they hang. If you've seen... Festool makes a thing called the the work center, I think, and it fits on one of their vacuums, and it has it has a shelf and some hangers and hooks that hang off of it. It has metal V's that the sanders hang in, and I basically copied that, but mine's all made out of wood, and it holds um, it holds six. It's it'll hold twelve or eleven sanders. I don't I don't have quite that many. I have a couple empty spots in it, but I've got. There's always room to go, to grow, yeah. right? Well, what what prompted it was Mark, the Wood Whisperer, in the guild, he's the, the current spring into summer project is the Sculpted Rocker. I'm going to, I mean, I've always been a guild member, but I'm going to jump in and build this one along. I haven't done a guild build in, in a couple of builds. You know, seeing the opportunity to build a rocker along with the rest of the guild, and Mark, how could you not do that? So Of course. Um, so I'm going to be building... Uh, building the rocker and you know we've talked with paul leminski of canadian woodworks before and he builds all sculpted work he does a lot of maloofian uh, pieces and he does all i think i want to say all but it's probably about 95 percent of his sanding and shaping he does with power tools with a combination of sanders and grinders and uh and rotary tools and that's the, the experience I have in the sculpted work I've done so far is a bit of hand shaping with rasps and a lot of power shaping. And I personally, I think 
you do bulk, the bulk of it with the power tools, and then just on the concave surfaces, you probably do it all power. On the convex surfaces, I then hit it with a hand rasp to give it a little bit more evenness and a little bit more hand touchingness. But regardless, I'm going to need the full complement of grinders and sanders and rotary tools and everything to do this build. So I thought the cart not only clears up the space of my getting rid of all these containers, but it puts all of these tools in easy reach so that as I'm building the chair, I can easily just switch from one to the other to the other. Because I've actually, um, I'll be talking with Paul within the coming weeks, and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll take that talk and put it out on this feed also, uh, about specifically his program of sanding. And he does it all with the Rotex sanders and goes from, I think, about a 120 or 150 grit, depending on the type of wood, all the way up through 400, and then actually buffs it out before he puts finish on it. And, nice. Yeah, and I've, I've not touched it. I've been able to touch Andy Chidwick's sculpted rockers uh, to just keep talking about people who make beautiful sculpted furniture. Everything I can tell about Paul's stuff is that, you know, clearly he's the real deal in terms of making this kind of furniture, and the finish looks flawless. So... I'm going to certainly take the advice I can from him in terms of how he does the finishing. So anyway, th- long story short, that's what brought me to wanting to have access to all these sanders very easily. And because it had been kicking around in my head for a long time that I wanted to build some sort of a cabinet for them. I finally, the other night, I just decided to, and I stayed up until two in the morning one night. And in the span of three days, I took this cart from initial, you know, pen to paper to design it to essentially 95% complete. I have to put on two three drawer pulls and i think i'm going to make two drawers that fit in the middle um but nice. it's it's basically done it's sitting there it's on casters it's got all my standards it works i'll put a picture of it on the show notes so so that's what's been in my shop and uh, now that it's basically done i have to go back to the trophy because <laughs> it's still not no, done yeah, the trophy <laughs> the yeah. ongoing the ongoing uh, saga of the trophy but yeah. we'll, we'll get more of that i mean and of course your your saga of your trophy i've got my, my saga of the hope chest which is just about done i was gonna say it's not done what how is it going it, 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 it just took some time so <laughs> you know how things get right it oh, just I took some, too. yeah um just a couple other notes the camera is back uh the folks at geek squad they 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 were true to their words and they went through and they and they uh, fixed the camera and sent it back. So that's good. So the quality of my photos will go back up again. That that's always a good thing. Were they able uh, to fix it or did they replace it? They, they fixed it. They were able to. Uh, they were able to fix it. So uh, they sent it back. I just got it back today. I took a bunch of pictures. It, it it does a beautiful job, just like when I took it right out of the box. So I was very happy about it. I'd gone this past weekend up to uh, visit family uh, for for uh, my nephew my uh, nephew's first communion. And as is the tradition, um, I built a small cross for my nephew. Um, you know, the one receiving communion. So it was it was a nice. Uh, it's it's something I've done for all my nieces and nephews. Again, it's just a nice traditional uh, thing I do. It's just a very simple piece, but it's but it's been you know. But it was it was greatly appreciated. Everybody was all oohing and on over it, which is which is always nice. And while I was up at my brother's house, I actually saw a family heirloom. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, my, my dad, but my, my parents, when they lived in, uh, in Teaneck, New Jersey, uh, Ridgeville Park, New Jersey, actually, um, they, they lived in a two-story, uh, a two-family house. It was, they, they lived in the upper floor, and they had renovated the uh, attic as their bedroom. So we were there, and, um, and you know, they didn't have a lot of money, so my dad did a lot of, you know, did a lot of side jobs, and he did a lot of stuff like that. 
but when his uh, when when my older brother was born in 1966, um, he built for him a, a toy box out of number two pine and some two by fours. He ripped down and he he uh, beveled and and he put on some brass hinges and a brass stay, which we of course broke off. <laughs> but we're kids, you know. It's rough. It's 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 you know it's rough treatment. Um, there were handles on the side and everything, and 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 it was so weird because I can remember like. 1971, 1972, you know, putting it into, uh, into the moving truck. Uh, my parents putting it into the moving truck when we moved to our house in Bloomingdale, New Jersey. So it was, it was really interesting to see that piece and, um, and to know it was my dad who built it almost 50 years ago. Now your brother still uses it, right? Well, he's got it in his, he's got it in one of his guest rooms and it, you know, he had some blankets in it. So he's using it more like a blanket chest now. Okay. Um, but it, but it is a, uh, it's, it's a heck of a, you know, it was a, it was a heck of a piece, and you know, it was, it was just number two pine, and I think he stained it and polyurethane or varnished it at the time. I don't know if poly was around in the in the mid '60s, but the thing, you know, it, it was incredible, and to see that, you know, he had screwed it to battens, and you know, so there was, you know, it, it could account for wood movement. Uh, but it, that was that was that was interesting. That was that I took a whole slew of pictures of it while I was there because it had to be taken pictures of because wow, it, I mean it's it's an heirloom. So so that was that was nice to see. I was really happy to see that, and um, and that's pretty much what's going on in my shop. Well, that's cool. So I, I was glad it was, and I was glad it was, you know I got to see the family. You know it was it had been a long time. I think it it been about three years since I'd seen both of my brothers in the same room. Really? Same, yeah, it'd been only two or three years since then. So it was, it was, it was nice to, it was nice to, um, it was just, it was just nice to see everybody together. You know, it was, it was, you know, we had a, we had a great time. We had a blast. Excellent. So you know, it's good. You know, the whole family thing. It was great. So we, we had a good time. Well, Fun was had by all. <laughs> so, the Modern Woodworkers Association. What's been going on? This what's this? What's this whole deal with the Woodshop Waffle Podcast? Trevor Green. He is a woodworker out on the West Coast in California, and what he's doing with uh, with Woodshop Waffle is actually he's. I just kind of binge listened to it. I think he's got twenty mm, ish episodes. He started in the fall, and okay. um, he's kind of developed as he goes through, changed him a little bit. And uh, Trevor, if you're listening, I think you should put back what you're working on because it's always interesting to hear what other people are working on. But what he's been doing is spending a little bit of time focusing on a historic woodworker that, at least for me, most of the time I've never heard of, but someone who, who had a cabinet shop in the 1800s or something like that and who brought uh, skill to the craft and whose pieces are heirlooms and, and worth money. And then he's also um, – he does magazine reviews, which are – they're growing on me. And uh, at first it was like, well, I subscribe to some of these magazines. I don't need to hear you talk about them. But I'll say that he adds a lot of value. What he does is he'll do like a 15 minutes talking about a particular magazine issue, a, a recent one of, of one of the many woodworking magazines he's, he's subscribing to, and talks about what's in them in terms of articles, projects, and advice and things like that. I realize that I don't subscribe to nearly as many as he does, and the fact that he's kind of talking about what's in them, while some articles are interesting and some articles aren't, and hearing about some articles is interesting and hearing about other articles isn't, the fact that he's kind of telling what's in them, it's, uh, it is helpful because it lets you know whether or not you're, you'd be interested in getting that magazine if it's not one you subscribe to. So it's kind of an in- interesting thing he's doing. He's not really trying to take the place of any of the magazines specifically, but just informing people about what's out there on the given round of magazines. Sure. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's actually not, 
That's actually not a bad thing. I mean, because no, you know, some good. people really. I mean, you might. I mean, seriously, just a cursory glance through some of the magazines, you might miss some really good articles. Yeah, and I, I don't know about you, but I don't even get a cursory glance of each one every time. I mean, I've, I've of course looked through all of them, but on a monthly basis, I don't look through all of them. I at this point, I think I only subscribe to Popwood and Fine Woodworking, and I, you know, it's more of a matter of time. Is I don't even read the ones I get, <laughs> let alone it's, reach out seriously. there and, and try to subscribe to other ones. So. It's not a lack of effort, but it's it. I, I've actually run out and bought a magazine or two based on what he's talked about being in them. So that's good. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing, and it's definitely worth checking up. You know, if you listen to this, you certainly listen to podcasts, so you can check out the w- Workshop Waffle by Trevor Green. Workshop Waffle. Yeah, it's, he's at Trevor's Workshop. Trevor's Workshop dot com is his his blog. Nice, nice. We got to. We got. It reminds me. We should go to the Waffle House. Yeah, <laughs> I'm got, getting hungry. We got to. Go t- if we go into the Waffle House, we got to take Steve. We got to. Yeah, we seriously got to go. Okay, I wonder if they have them in Kansas City. We'll have to figure that out. Okay, so Woodworker Safety Day is coming up Friday, May fifteenth. Don't hurt yourself. Be safe. Okay, so we're going to work on putting together some podcast, uh, some uh, some uh, uh, articles about that. So, um, any of you bloggers out there? listening tom the program is if you want to join in let us know. write a blog post some aspect of safety and shoot tom an email and you're going to mention them all is that precisely that's how we that's how we do get woodworking week so what yeah. we'll do is we'll actually we'll actually we'll, we'll collect them and we'll put them on the modern woodworkers association website and then we'll we'll be good to go. So we'll so we'll have that link there, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll it'll be like a uh, it'll be a, a, an index of all the articles that were written about safety. Excellent, excellent. Sound like um, a plan? Yeah, I like the way that sounds. And actually, that weekend, some yes. people are going to be safe uh, at weekend with wood because yes. weekend with wood will be going on that week. And as we've continued to report, it remains sold out for some reason. Uh, it's they're crazy. not open. How that works? Tips. Yeah. Um, but I think we've mentioned this before. If you're going to Weekend with Wood, please let us know. We'd love to talk to somebody who actually attends. It's not an event either of us or I don't know. Brian, have you been to Weekend with Wood? I have not been to Weekend yeah, with so, Wood, no. Yeah, we, we need a report. We need a report from somebody who's been. So if you've been, we want a report. And then that same weekend, what else is that same weekend, Tom? Well, that will be Handworks in Amana, Iowa. And that's where they're going to have that studly uh, tool chest. Yes, and wow, that is that is a piece of work right there. That is not just a uh, tool chest. That's uh, that's things like a Rube Goldberg project. It's a piece of furniture. It's, I, right, it's a piece I, of furniture. It's Come amazing. On. I'm not trying to criticize it, but honestly, I don't even think it works as a tool chest. I think it works as as an amazing piece of furniture that fits everything. But I'm not quite sure how practical it is as a tool chest. Yeah, it may not it may not be the the most practical, but you know what? It looks awesome. Uh, absolutely. And, and the amount see, of... They, they, have, they have posters about it and everything. You just, you know, get a chance to get out there and take a look at it. I mean, it is just unreal. And and if you're going to be in the Kansas City area the weekend of September 25th through the 27th, dun-dun-dun! Whatever could you do there? Well, it could be woodworking in America. Um, it's in Kansas City, Missouri. Not in Kansas City, Kansas, which is across the river. Is there such a place? I thought I only know the one in Missouri. There, yeah, you go right across the river here in Kansas City, Kansas. Who knew? <laughs> Not this New Yorker. <laughs> Who knew? There's West New York, New Jersey. You realize? I did know that actually. <laughs> there you go. You see, so and there's Manhattan and Kansas. It's not quite the same. <laughs> not quite the same. The buildings aren't quite as tall. Um, 
So, yeah, so that's going to be in Kansas City, Can- uh, Missouri. That's it. That, that's the right one. It hasn't sold out yet. So, again, if you want to reserve. And then what's his chair cast business? Well, um, I don't do enough. So what I actually started was I'm doing essentially an audio diary of the building of the chair. Oh, my God, no. Yeah, so um, it's on my SoundCloud account, and I've got it. I've got it on on my blog, and there's an RSS feed if you're ever so inclined. But it's um, it's it's the chaircast. So what I'm doing is, so far it's about once a week, but it's going to be when it strikes me. I'm just doing a little off the cuff discussion about what I've done, and so far it's just basically talking about the prep to build this chair. But mm-hmm. the chair is arguably the most ambitious thing I've made. I think it's it is certainly a more technical build than. Um, than the last quilt rack, though at least with the chair, I don't have to design any of it myself, so maybe that makes it a little easier. I'm not sure. It, it might. Yeah, it's it gonna, might. It's going to be be hard and challenging, and I'm hoping very rewarding and something really nice at the end of it. But I thought it would be interesting to just document the journey as I go through it. Um, not a bad idea. Yeah. So, you know, the first episode I recorded at 2 a.m. when I was had been finished working on this uh, this sander cart. And so far, I'm just talking about the prep work I'm doing because my shop, while I'm jumping into this chair build, I have open projects on the table for other people. My shop is in major disarray. You need a router table to build it. My router table is disassembled in my attic, so I have to assemble that. So there's no there's no end to the amount of prep work I have to do before I actually get to this chair build. So right now, I'm just kind of burning through the prep work as quickly as I can and just documenting that. And hopefully within another within another two weeks or so, I should have everything caught up and actually be able to start on the chair proper. Yeah, just in case you had nothing else to do. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's of all the different things I do, it's pretty easy because I'm putting it on SoundCloud, which has a great mobile app. And I basically I've learned that the, actually the highest quality way to do it is to just pull up the app and just talk right into my phone. And when I'm done, boom, it just posts. And there you go. I don't have to worry about it. So um, and I'm, if people are going to listen, I'm not going to go crazy with show notes. If I mention somebody, I'll put. I'll put uh, a link to whatever it, when I when I post it on my blog, but um, it's really it's just going to be an audio diary of the process, and I you know taking it from the prep work beforehand to the to the end of the chair build. That is just so swell. That's just <laughs> that's so what swell. everyone's been waiting to listen to is me talk about building the dulcet chairs. tones of Diami Plucky talking about his chair. So now since we're at the point where we've got to introduce our main guest. He's already been introduced, but we're going to introduce him again, Brian McCauley. Brian, how you doing, man? I am wonderful. Thank you very much for having me on tonight. Oh, thank you. For- thank you for not running in terror when we invited you. <laughs> well, I, I have to say, I, I was surprised. But I'm, it, it was a happy <laughs> surprise. Well, well, we're happy that you decided to 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 to, to lower you to mean yourself to coming <laughs> on the show. <laughs> I would I would like to think of it as raising myself up. That's what you see. Yeah, that's what you like. We always treasure the false impression you have of us. <laughs> so, it Brian, makes me feel tell, better tell us, about myself. So, Brian, tell us a little bit about your woodworking. Tell us what's going on in your shop. Well, what, what kind of woodworking you do? Yeah, you mentioned well, tables. Imagine you build tables. I do. I I, I build a lot of tables, man. Um, basically, I I run a a business. Almost everything that I build in my shop is uh, commissioned. And it seems like most of the people in my area are interested in dining room tables. So I build a lot of dining room tables. 
are these like traditional styles? Are these like uh, you know, like uh, like shaker style or or or, or uh, uh, arts and crafts? Or are we talking like they want some out kind of outlandish kind of you know curved sculpted stuff? Well, it's 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 a little bit of everything. Um, when I started out, uh, I did mostly rustic stuff. It was easy. I could bang them out pretty quick, and it's it's popular right now. As things have progressed, um, I've, I've gotten into some more contemporary designs, some tables with a, you know, a little more curvy. Um, I just finished up a, a trestle table that was a, a fun build. That trestle table you just finished looks big. How, how large is that table? That, that's actually a pretty small table compared to most of them. Um, it was 64 inches long, and it extended to 84 inches long by 41 oh. inches wide. I didn't realize it extended. Yeah, yeah, it extended. The the breadboard ends pulled out, and you can put leaves in each end of it. When you're building these dining room tables, I mean, and you got commissions, so what's the process like? Do you have somebody walk in, say, I'm looking for a table, can you help me design it? Or do they come in with the idea, I want a shaker-style trestle table? How does this work? Well, usually, most of the time, I don't even meet my clients until they come and pick up their piece really Uh, really yeah yeah most of it is is online i either either online or over the phone uh they'll send me some photographs of what they're looking for and then i'll tell them what's realistic because usually (laughs) (laughs) usually they'll send me photographs of something that you know to a woodworker was obviously made from plywood or or mdf or something like that and you know the rules of wood movement just yeah can't do some of that stuff so i'll try to help you know realign their expectations a little bit and i'll come up with a a design with them Uh, i usually do something in in sketchup and i'll send it to them and they'll say well could you kind of maybe change this a little bit and then i'll make the changes and i'll send it back to them and we'll come up with a a design that that they like of course we also also have to talk about the type of lumber that they want which which is always a really interesting conversation because generally People have no idea what the difference is between, you know, oak, cherry, mahogany, and walnut are. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Really, all all they care about is what it looks like and how much it's going to cost them. But Which, they can't articulate, or I'm assuming. Tell me if I'm wrong, but can they articulate what it what they're looking for in terms of a look? You know, we all know how those different woods not only how they act differently and how they're different to work with, but they look distinct. Does, they, does the aesthetic do. of the wood mean something to people, or do they just want a coffee-colored table? Well, in order to... I, I, I discourage staining, basically just because I don't like to do it. <laughs> I will do it for, for customers if, if, if that's what they want, if they're dead set on you know, a, this dark walnut color that they love mm-hmm. that you can't get any other way. But what, what I'll do is I'll, I'll send them photographs of pieces that I've done in the past that are... You know, this is what walnut looks like. This is what oak looks like. This is what cherry looks like. Okay. So and you're not just sending them, like, samples of a board. You're sending them photos of finished pieces made from that type of wood. Yes. I'll send them a board if they want me to, or they can come pick one up. I, I do have people come to the shop occasionally. Not very often, though, surprisingly. I kind of expected more of that when I started. But most people are happy just to, you know, send 100 emails and then get it. <laughs> Get it figured out, and then and then let me build it. Now, do you build essentially anything customers ask for, or 
you have a portfolio of pieces that you're you're marketing and they tweak it? Do you just limit it to tables, or you know, if they wanted, you know, a nightstand, a TV rack, and a chair, you'd work on them? What do, uh, yeah, what determines what you're making? Is it is it just wide open to whatever the customer is willing to pay for? Uh, as as long as they're willing to pay for it, and I can build it. If somebody brings me something and I'm not a hundred percent confident that it's something that I can do in a reasonable amount of time, I, I I won't do it. But that has only happened once. So. Yeah, as, as as long as I can build it and they're they're willing to to pay for it, I don't have any problem doing it. Now, how do you find cool. customers? And it's so good because you know it sounds like your clients are are open to that kind of approach. I mean, they're more of a hands off kind of approach, which gives you the freedom to build. It it does. It it, it actually works out really well for me because my my shop is in my basement. Um, so, you know, people would have to be coming over to my house and I'd have to drag them down to my basement and, you know, just, it's happened on occasion, but not very often. To answer your question, Diami, uh, most of the clients, uh, I've gotten through Facebook actually. When, when I very first started doing this, I, I built some furniture for my, for my house. That's how I got into woodworking. Uh, my wife wanted some furniture and, course it was way out of my price range and i thought well maybe i can build it so i started building some furniture <laughs> for my house <laughs> and uh it turned out decent for you know what it was and my wife suggested i put an ad on craigslist to see if anybody would be interested in buying anything that i built so i did that and it just hasn't stopped <laughs> that's well that's great you've been able to make a living out of it well no it, it, it's part-time i i oh, have another job okay yeah, um, I've wrestled with the idea of, of going full time. I I think that I could do it. I, I, I legitimately think that I could do it. I've, I've crunched the numbers, and I, I think that I could. It's just a very scary decision to make. Yeah, you got to throw those dice. I mean, that's yeah. you know, that's the gamble. Yeah, if it, if it were just me and I wasn't married and I didn't have kids, I'd do it in a heartbeat. But I've got other people to think about so I, I don't know i haven't i haven't gone there yet yeah no i i absolutely understand that there's something to be said for you know a steady paycheck and health insurance absolutely yeah there, there sure is well what, what, what do you do for a living uh i i work for the government um what do you do in the government uh i am a federal special agent if you're building pieces for customers to bring this back to woodworking and away from oh, sorry. the government. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, this is the third or fourth non-woodworking tangent we've gone on, so I clearly have no problem talking about other things. But to bring this back to woodworking, Brian, if you're building most pieces for customers at this point, I'm assuming if you're working full-time and you've got kids and a wife, you're in the same boat that Tom and I are in, in that shop time, as delightful as it is, is some somewhat limited. And if you're if you're flush with customers... Like you were saying, you know, the the relatively small project of the iPhone holder is the first thing you've made for yourself in how long? Since I built our furniture. <laughs> um, by four and a half, five years. Well, it's okay. been a few years then. Okay, I got you. So yeah, it's been a long time. Th- that being said, is there a type of furniture that you prefer to make that, you know, if your customers weren't dictating what kind of stuff you were making, what would you build? Um probably mid-century modern type stuff i'm in awe of the stuff that jory brigham builds okay uh i i think his style is incredible and and i love it and i would 
kill to get some customers who wanted me to build something like that. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> unfortunately, there, there aren't too many here. Um, you know, when you say here, where is here? I mean, I don't need to know where you work, as we discussed already. But, you know, you're in the Midwest? No, I, li- I live in Maryland. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, for a, some reason, I thought you were in, like, the Minnesota area. No, nope, just a hop, skip, and a jump from Washington, D.C. All right. We'll leave it at that, then. The, the clientele here, it's, it's, it's I don't, I don't want to say uppity, but, you know, there's, there's a, a certain style that people like here, and mm-hmm. mid-century modern is not it. No. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, need to, uh, you need to come and, and build some stuff in Brooklyn. I'd love to. Everybody wants a bit such a modern there, right? Uh, a lot of them do. Okay. Yeah, un- unfortunately, with the working for other people, I don't miss. I don't. I, well, I don't ever get to build what I want to build. I build what I get paid to build. Uh, are you? If you're, if you're not at this point doing it full time, do you do you ever reach a point where you decide, you know what, I'm gonna in between custom customer builds, I'm gonna build a piece on spec and see if you know this table that i really love that i made if in the next 12 months i can sell it and create a market for it or you're just going to keep focusing on what they bring to you in terms of design well i i did that once i built a coffee table um from maple and walnut and i thought it was quite nice and i've tried to sell it several times and it's it's still sitting here so Hmm. yeah I, i didn't have a whole lot of luck with that raise the price I've been lowering the price. <laughs> no, raise the price. It's perceived raise. value. It's 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 a piece of art, Brian. You make art. It's a it's perceived value. So so Brian, what what's your favorite wood to work with? Well, especially when you're building tables, like dining room tables. What I mean is there is there a particular wood that lends itself to that to that dining room mystique? I love walnut. I would work with walnut every day of my life for the rest of my life. It's it's by far my favorite wood to work with. Okay. I think it's gorgeous. It works well. It's by far my favorite wood. If you had one you like to avoid? Red oak. <laughs> you know, there's, it, it, it's the Rodney Danger feel the wood. It gets no respect, I tell you. No, no it's, you know, it, it's, it's fine wood. It's, you know, it's inexpensive in this area. Uh, a lot, I end up using it a lot because of that. You know, it's probably just because I'm tired of it. It's, yeah. The, yeah. It's not, it's not very interesting to look at. It's, it, it, you know. it is the generic layperson's hardwood. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. There's nothing. It, when once you know what real what what real it is real hardwood. Once you know what other <laughs> hardwoods look like, it's no longer this this fancy unique thing. It's it's rather well. It it's usually rather mundane. Red oak can look spectacular if it's done properly, it but in ninety five out of a hundred installations. It's simply the hardwood that the lumberyard has or that the home center has, and there's really nothing special about it. And it, I, I would agree with you. It's, it's far overdone. I, and I, frankly, I, I think we probably share the same taste in wood. I, I'm not all that fond of red oak, but walnut, I could work in walnut every day. It is, it's taken up half my lumber rack right now and building this chair out of walnut. As much as I want to make this chair blue, uh, it's going <laughs> to it's gonna be a traditional walnut chair so i can't wait the blue for chair group i'm liking it <laughs> i uh i have a nice large hunk of mahogany that i have designated for a sculpted rocker oh cool yeah that's I'd, very nice I'd, I'd love to make one out of walnut but I've, I've got this hunk of mahogany just just waiting and just I figured, screaming your name it is it's it's the right amount and 
It's just waiting. I've had a piece. I got a chunk of sapili that I've had for like two years now, and it's it's like sixty five inches long, and it's it's got to be almost twelve quarter. And I'm looking at it now. It's probably twenty six inches wide. It's a nice big board. Yeah. And I, it's not a you no. Know, it's not the fifty board feet I need for the rocker. So it's not it's not going to be the rocker. But I I'm trying to figure out something to make with it. So I. Um, I can appreciate that, that you get, you get this nice piece of wood or pieces of wood and they sit and wait for, for just the right project. Well, it, it's actually too big for me to get into my shop. It's, it's sitting, it's sitting on the stairs going down to my basement because it's, it's, <laughs> it's too long and it's been sitting there because I didn't want to cut it to, to bring it into my shop. And I, I finally, finally figured out what I'm going to, what I'm going to do with it. So now I just have to find the time to do it. You're gonna build along with the guild? I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I've oh got, come on, like I do. It's just, I've got commissions to build, man. He's <laughs> busy cuffing stuff in people. Come on. I've, I've I've barely got time to to build these these little iPhone things. I, I do have uh, something interesting that I'm going to be working on this this week though. There's um uh a, a make it forward campaign on 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 Twitter that was started by um, Mark Dolan. Um, okay. it is. Mark's pens. Okay. Yeah. Um, essentially, it's what's going to happen is there's six of us. There's there's Mark and myself and Daniel Becker. Uh, Improbable construct. I, I don't I don't know his name, but that's the, his business name. Um, Kip Vanover and then Jimmy Deresta. We're all building a portion of a project. So Mark just sent me what he built. And I saw I'm, it. Lo- it looks like. Um... It's it's chuggerboard pattern, right? Yeah, he sent me two of them. Uh, one's sixteen by sixteen, the other one's twelve by twelve, and I have to figure out what to do with them. And then oh, once okay. I figure something out, I'm gonna mail it to the next person, and then they're gonna mail it to the next person. And then when it's all done, we'll have a finished piece that we're going to auction off, and then donate the proceeds to um, charity. We haven't picked one yet, but we're, interesting. That's yeah, it's it's, it's very it's cool. Be fun. And it. Each each craftsman is literally making it what they want to. So you're gonna decide what to do with those checkered pieces and add something to it, and then send it on to the next person. And there's no we're building a table. It's we're each guy is kind of at some point it might reach the point where you can't reasonably change what it is based on what right. one person does. But each person is really making it into whatever they want it to be. Is that is that right? Yes. Yes, exactly. I've I've got a plan for for what I'm going to do to it. It's it, what I'm going to do with it is going to l- leave it open for some for some options. But yeah, you're right. Eventually, it'll you know it's going to get to a point where you know it's a chess set or it's a a table or it's something. Yeah, yeah. Don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something. <laughs> nice. So that yeah, that'll be fun. So I've, I've got to carve some time out for that. And now that it's actually here. I've got to do that pretty pretty soon. Can let me just ask you about that for one one more minute. How frequently are you in the shop? Are are you coming home after work every day and and doing it, or is this the kind of thing where you're you're working for you know two weeks straight and then you have time off? How do you, you know, how I, do you divide I mean, up the time and be be productive while you're while you have a life and and work and kids and stuff? Yeah, I I usually work um, three or so days a week in the shop. Usually like um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. When I get home from work until, you know, like eight o'clock, I try not to make too much noise after that. The kids are in bed and all this stuff. And then I usually work Saturday mornings 
as well. I've I've gotten it down to where, you know, I, I know what I need to do, and I'm 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 pretty organized, so I, there's not a lot of wasted time. I was gonna say um, for for three nights a week and a Saturday morning, you were amazingly productive. You're very very quick. Are you I'm sure those kids aren't doing? Man. You sure those kids aren't doing prep work for you? <laughs> I wish they were, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I've 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 tried to get my son in the shop a couple of times, and he he does not care for the noise whatsoever. Uh, even you know, obviously he has ear protection on, but even with the ear Hands protection, guy. yeah, he he did uh, carve himself a Harry Potter wand with a spoke shave. So that there we go. Wow, good for him. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it is. It is. I I tried to turn one for him on my lathe, and he's like, Dad, that that's that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> The magic's in the, the magic's in the hand tools. Yeah, so he, he came down and I gave him a hunk of wood, and two hours later he had himself a wand. I'll tell you what what really caused me to fall in love with uh, with with rounding over and sculpting pieces, and ultimately led to my affection for the uh, California roundover style was I made four Harry Potter wands for my wife and her sister and their friends. Oh yeah, and um, I made and them it got me into a newt. Yeah, I, I made them in time for the last movie. So what was that now, four or five years ago? It was a while ago, yeah. And I don't have a lathe. So I, I sketched out the essentially the profile of them. And out of pen blanks, I think I got them from Bell Forest. I think they were pen blanks, but the squares of wood, I cut them on the bandsaw. So it was still square, but it had the basic pattern on it. Mm-hmm. And then I just went to town with rasps and I shaped each one by hand so they're four they they started by the same pattern but it was the bands all by eye and then it rasps so they're four very different very different wands and they're very imperfect because they were you know done that way but i fell in love with that process and the organic nature of it and just the way that you know with a good rasp and a couple of strokes you can add such flair and dimension to a piece I, I'm trying to. I need to build bookcases for my house, and you know it's the most simple square project. And I'm trying to think of how I do it with curves. And bookcases <laughs> have curves in them, but it, it just got into my head building those wands. So, um, good for you, son. Yeah. Well, you're you're gonna enjoy that uh, sculpted rocker then. You're, oh, yeah. You're I, a rasp man. I, I I can't wait. And I'm 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 vacillating between rasps and the RAS one one five festool. It's they call it a sander. It's really a grinder for doing doing the shaping and i've done at this point i've done quite a bit of shaping with with both ways and they're both they're both fun yeah you know, I, I can see you doing one half one one side of the chair with hand the other one with the uh with the power tools and see which one comes out different if they come out different i have been uh <clears throat> dead set on building a sculpted rocker for a couple of years now i have i have plans that i've bought i have an arbor tech turbo plane i've i've got got everything i need to do it now i just actually have to do it have, I've, I've you, been, uh, have you used the turbo plane not yet i'm gonna break it in on this rocker man because i i have the turbo plane i plan to use it on the rocker but i've not i've not used it i have the i have the the traditional cut sole blades which is a it's i believe they're carbide teeth but they're in a random pattern and they're not like that that lines of spikes that most of the wheels have these days and the the cut sole is really nice because it doesn't grab. It's it's medium aggressive to lightly aggressive, so you're not. It, it's hard to have it catch and just tear across. And not that I think the turbo plane does that, but I picked the turbo plane up at the woodworking shows a year or two ago. I got it. Uh, Arbortech was there. I got a decent deal on it, and I've not quite found 
something to use for it because it's more aggressive than I, I guess I'm used to. So I'm very curious to see how well it works. I'm assuming it's going to be kick-ass in shaping the seat. But I'm just looking to talk to people who have used it because I'm looking to get around the learning curve of it. Yeah, I, I haven't haven't used it yet. Hopefully soon. Mm. Can't wait to hear how it works out. Well, I'll be I'll be posting lots of photos. Awesome, sweet. Hey, uh, if people want to find you where you are, Brian, where where can they look? Oh, they can find me on Twitter at Macaulay's Design, mm-hmm. and um, on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Macaulay's Design. Nice. So everybody follow along, okay? Definitely, definitely. You need to uh, you need to set up a website there, my friend. You know, I I had one and. I couldn't. The dog ate it. <laughs> no, I I couldn't keep up with the the demand, so I got rid of it. Please excuse the interruption, but I need to correct that. Apparently, as a result of this discussion or other interest Brian has had since we made this recording, Brian has restarted his website, and his website can be found at macaulaysdesign.com. That's M C C A U L E Y S design.com. It's an excellent website, and I highly recommend you check it out. All right, Brian, thank you for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. It was fun. It was a blast, man. Thank you. All right. Now, Diami. Yes, Tom. We actually had somebody write in about the podcast, and they didn't complain. This did not go to the complaint department directly. (laughs) No. um, Patrick Burns, uh, the the only other woodworker on Long Island. (laughs) Can Uh, you believe it? (laughs) Wrote in to... uh, say he appreciates the podcast and patrick we thank you for that and i'll i'll have patrick's uh patrick's blog in the show notes so people can see what he's doing make some nice stuff out on the island pat's blog can be found at patswoodworking.net that is patswoodworking.net then i'll have to get together with him because it is so rare that i meet somebody who's local who uh who does it actually that's not true i know a handful of guys so i should really pull together some sort of a meeting here uh, yeah, you, you want to stop being so lazy and yeah, like get out there. I, I am after all the Long Island chapter head. I should probably schedule a meeting. You should probably do something like that. But uh, but no, we really appreciate the comment, Patrick. And um, anybody else has any questions or comments or any anything they want to say, uh, please, you know how to yeah, reach us, please, and uh, we're going to go through that in a minute, so you can reach us. So that just about with that said, that just about wraps it up for the show. If you're missing us already, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. Once you're subscribed, you'll be sure to never miss another exciting episode. And while you're on iTunes, please leave us a five-star rating, even if you don't believe we deserve one. It helps other, or it helps our rank so others can more easily find us. If you want to find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com, follow the MWA on Twitter, at MWA underscore national, like the MWA on Facebook, or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. While you're there, join the MWA Google Plus community for project sharing, discussion, and loads of woodworking banter. For the Long Island chapter, I am Diami Plotke <laughs> of penultimatewoodshop.com. I am at Diami Plotke on the Twitters. And for the uh, and for the Tampa Bay, Florida chapter, uh, I'm the resident shop monkey, Tom Iovino of tomsworkbench.com, and you can find me at tomsworkbench on Twitter. Until we see you again... Well, we can't because we have our eyes closed. Uh, We wish you all happy sawdust. Thanks for listening.